one of the biggest racists in Congress lost his primary in Iowa. The Drug Enforcement Agency will have the power to spy on people protesting police brutality. And we're talking to Matt Ortile, the author of the new book, The Groom Will Keep His Name, about his work on navigating life in America as a gay Asian immigrant. The date, June 3rd, 2020. The time, news o'clock. Hey friends, I'm Hayes Brown. And I'm Casey Rackham. Welcome to News O'Clock. All right, we've got a lot to get through today, so we're going to just jump straight to the TLDR, the most important headlines brought to the top of your feed. Here are three things you need to know today. One, police and other security forces turned out in massive numbers in response to Tuesday night's protests against police brutality. But the boys in blue showed more restraint when confronting demonstrators, firing less tear gas and using less force than they have in the last week. In D.C., residents tweeted pictures and videos of active-duty soldiers walking down the Capitol streets. The president ordered the D.C. National Guard and other troops to the National Capitol area to, in his words, deter rioters and looters. But the crowd of protesters was bigger than ever in D.C., with many people saying that they turned out because of the tear gassing that cleared a path through demonstrators for a presidential photo op on Monday. The active-duty troops in D.C. won't be doing much more than they already have, though. Secretary of Defense Mike Esper announced today that he's not in favor of the president invoking the Insurrection Act to help put down the protests. The option to use active-duty forces in a law enforcement role should only be used as a matter of last resort and only in the most urgent and dire of situations. We are not in one of those situations now. I do not support invoking the Insurrection Act. One of the most harrowing moments of the night came when New York City police refused to let protesters cross the Manhattan Bridge from Brooklyn, at one point briefly trapping people on the bridge itself with blockades on both sides. Thankfully, they were eventually let off, but I just gotta say, New York stays undefeated to wit. Here's a clip of the protesters demanding to be let onto the bridge, courtesy of Twitter user Eric Thomas. Two, the Drug Enforcement Agency has been given permission to conduct surveillance on people who attend protests. That's according to a memo obtained by BuzzFeed News where the DEA asked for a temporary expansion of their powers, which are normally restricted to investigations of federal drug crimes. But now the Justice Department has signed off on letting the DEA conduct covert surveillance on protesters and allowing them to search individuals, interview them, and potentially arrest them. So far, there have been estimated 11,000 arrests at protests around the country. Oh, and as for why the DEA? Because they're one of a few federal agencies that have planes already equipped with powerful stingray devices capable of collecting data from cell phones while in flight. Three, one of the most openly white supremacist members of Congress lost his primary race in Iowa last night. Republican Representative Stephen King, a nine-term congressman, lost to state senator Randy Feenstra. King has been in Congress since 2003, but was stripped of all of his committee assignments in 2019 when he said in an interview with The New York Times, quote, white nationalist, white supremacist, Western civilization. How did that language become offensive? And in 2013, let's not forget, he infamously said that for every undocumented immigrant who is a valedictorian, quote, there's another 100 out there who weighs 130 pounds and they've got calves the size of cantaloupes because they're hauling 75 pounds of marijuana across the desert, end quote. That all being said, the person who defeated King in his primary, State Senator Feenstra, is just as conservative, having pushed the largest tax cut in Iowa's history and expansion of gun rights and defunding Planned Parenthood. 
do you know what's really just, I'm really struggling with, with the permission that the drug enforcement agency has been given. And specifically when they say they have those stingray devices capable of collecting data from cell phones while in flight, because us representative AOC came out and said, if you're going to peacefully protest, please turn your phone onto airplane mode or stop data because they can track you. Here's the thing. I have friends who have gone out to protest and I like to be able to track their location for safety. And it's, it's just this situation of like, I want them to be safe. I want people to be able to connect with someone if they're in a bad situation. But at the same time with these new permissions, it's like you don't want your data to be tracked. No, absolutely. And the fact that the Justice Department signed off on this in general is a not great trend for DOJ. They also have the situation going where uh, Bill Barr was kind of in charge on Monday when the protesters were cleared out from front of the White House. D.C. is in a weird spot because it's not a state, D.C. statehood now. Uh, and so the attorney general and the president just have a lot more power and authority than you would really like them to in a situation like this. All right. It's time for today's good news, bad news. This is where I bring you some of the most fuck yes and most oh my god no stories from around the internet. Good news. Kiki Palmer was out protesting in L.A. yesterday and went viral for a moment of education with members of the National Guard. So Palmer has a history of pushing for social change, including hosting a sit-down with 200 members of the community in Harlem back in 2016. And yesterday, she gave an impromptu lesson on just why being out protesting matters to a pair of guardsmen on the street saying once the looting starts the shooting starts you have a president talking about the second amendment as a use for people to come out here and use firearms against the people that are protesting this is the messages that we're seeing i don't know if you on social media because the news don't tell you everything but you have to pay attention to what's going on or else we're gonna we have a, a president that's trying to incite a race she then asked the guardsmen to march with the protesters, which they declined. They did, however, agree to take a knee for the cause. And in response, Kiki could be heard saying, that ain't enough for me. Her teaching moment was so good that it originally spread on Twitter without Kiki's name attached to it, which led to one woman tweeting it out while asking, who is this incredible young woman? To which I say, Sorry to this young woman. Whoa. I got I to gotta admit, I, I am that person. I did not realize it was Kiki Palmer no. when the tweet first went around. And when that came, I was like, I'm a tool. I didn't know. So Kiki, I, I am sorry to you if you're listening. I hope you're listening. Uh, bad news for Kendall Jenner, who will likely never live down that Pepsi commercial from 2017, which good. That was a horrible choice all around. We can all agree on that. Anyways, yes, we are talking about that commercial. If you don't remember it, here's a brief rundown. Kendall is busy posing for a photo shoot when a crowd of protesters cross her path. Kendall dramatically takes off her wig, wipes her makeup off, and walks into the street. But there's a problem. The protesters are met by a line of cops. Fear not. Kendall has the brilliant idea to hand a can of Pepsi to a police officer, who sips it as she joins the protesters in a cheer for victory. Everyone is hugging each other. Kendall is high-fiving a demonstrator. The cop is smiling. It's a mess. That had drew a lot of criticism in 2017, and Pepsi pulled it the following day, but it has resurfaced again recently in light of the worldwide demonstration sparked by the killing of George Floyd by a white police officer. To her credit, Kendall originally apologized for the video in an episode of Keeping Up the Kardashians back in October of 2017, but yesterday, Kendall also posted a statement on her Instagram, part of which read, 
I acknowledge my white privilege and promise I will continue to educate myself on how I can help. Raging on platforms cannot be all that we do in order to repair the system. We need to take real action off of social media. Her and her family are so weirdly interesting when it comes to race. Like, I I just, they're so messy about it. Like, you can tell that most of them are trying at the very least, but sometimes it's like, choices, man, choices. <laughs> you could make them or you could not make them. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I, I remember in a recent episode, Kendall is the only one of the family to be like, do we really want servants on Christmas? Oh, <laughs> right. <laughs> but at the same time, A, this is a Pepsi commercial, you know, Kim is doing great work in terms of criminal justice, but also she's married to Kanye. So how does that balance out right now? Oh, yes. We'll have to get a scale out. <laughs> When we come back, we've got Matt Ortile, author of the new book, The Groom Will Keep His Name. Stay right there. At SheFit, we're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self-doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. Give us your attention. We need everything you got fast. Waiting on reparations. We be the illest podcast. Tune in every Thursday. Politics and wordplay. We fight for the people because they got us in the worst way. From the hill to Brazil, Bombay to Kanye. From the left enclave to what the neocons say. Every Thursday, cop the heady conversation. And then break us off with some bread because we waiting, waiting on, on reparations. reparations. Listen to Waiting on Reparations on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Robert Sex Reese, host of the Dr. Sex Reese Show. And every episode, I listen to people talk about their sex and intimacy issues. And yes, I despise every minute of it. I yeah. mean, she, she made mistakes too. Right? That's I mean, true. She, she did she, kill everyone at her wedding. But hell is real. We're all trapped here. And there's nothing any of us can do about it. So join me, won't you? Listen to the Dr. Sex Reese Show every Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Throughout this entire year, questions of race and who gets to be considered an American have been at the forefront of our collective consciousness. And as ever, immigrants are pushing for their place in this country, even as some people try to deny it to them. Today's guest explores issues of identity and belonging in his work. We're joined today by Matt Ortile. He's the managing editor at Catapult Magazine and author of the new book, The Groom Will Keep His Name and Other Vows I've Made About Race, Resistance, and Romance. Thanks so much for joining us, Matt. Thanks so much for having me, Hayes, Casey. Okay, Matt, first of all, yesterday was your pub day for this book. Congrats. <laughs> Thank you so much. So, Matt, up top, uh, what made you want to write this book? Well, it started out as a, I wanted to write a book about sex and relationships. And honestly, growing up, one of my major influences was, and unfortunately will always be, one Miss Carrie Bradshaw of Sex and the City. And so I said, okay, I'll do that too. Like, I'll write about sex, love, relationships, whatever ships. But there's so many people out there doing that. And I thought, okay, well, what's specific to my experience? 
And so I said, well, I'm a gay, brown, immigrant person living in New York, in America, in the tens, you know, as an adult. I moved to New York when I was uh, right after college. It was about 2014. And in developing this book, it became clear to me that this was, this had to rely to on the cultural history, on the national histories of the United States and the Philippines and their entwined histories together too. For a long time, Philippines was, the Philippines was property of the United States. And we have always worn Americanness or aspired to it. So it, these connections between my learned desire to assimilate into the United States to pursue the American dream had all been there. And what became very apparent to me was that my avenue to that had been sex. And I wanted to marry into whiteness. I wanted to give up my last name, Ortile, which was so unpronounceable to my bullies, to my teachers who were confused by me, and you know, change it to something like Jones. In the first essay of your book, you unpack what you mean by the groom will keep his name in the title. Can you talk about that a little? Why that phrase? Totally. It's because, so you don't often hear the phrase, the groom will keep his name, right? What you hear is the bride will keep her name in the wedding announcements in the Times, for example, because it's so presumed that the woman becomes the property of the man, of the man's family. She joins his family and leaves hers behind. So... I took, took that and spun it into the groom because, well, I'm the groom. I do identify as a man. I'm a cis man. I go by he and his. But I, the more I held on to the phrase over time in developing the book, the more rich the phrase became because it was about me as, as a Filipino-American man wanting to, as a gay Filipino-American man, wanting to be, to leave my family and then be taken and owned, essentially, by America. So, speaking of, one of the things you write really eloquently about in this book is the idea of being the model immigrant and not really making waves. Asian Americans also often held up as a model minority. Where, where did these ideas come from? White supremacy. Yeah, true. <laughs> Can <laughs> you unpack that a little? Uh, no, for sure. Um, it's a fascinating concept because it's a relatively new one. The first time the phrase comes up is, I believe, in about the 60s in a Times story, the New York Times, about uh, Japanese-Americans. This was after Japanese-American determined in the Second World War. It, basically, the gist of the article was that, you know, look at these minorities and how wonderful, how m- the great strides they've made in American society, it, that they were using... Um, you know, socioeconomic markers of what can be deemed success, you know, high education rates, uh, household incomes. So, so that is all a new concept where you're taking one pocket of a larger group of people and sort of saying that, oh, this group of folks within this larger group of folks seem to be doing really well. That means then that entire group of people is experiencing the same thing in the United States. That is absolutely not the case. We know, we talk often now contemporaneously about how Asian Americans are not a monolith. You know, Black Americans are not a monolith. You know, Latinx Americans are not a monolith. Definitely. When you're writing such a personal story as a member of multiple marginalized communities, I can imagine there's a constant tug of war between your individual story and the more collective story. How did you navigate that? It's tough. It's tough navigating that because I think 
we've all lived through an age of writing online, right? That was so quote unquote confessional, very personal, very the exo Jane, it happened to me kind of thing. And a lot of that was dragged for being so navel gazing, right? So focused on the eye, so narrow, so only concerned with what's going on right in front of you. So what I wanted to do to balance that out was to talk about greater trends within the communities that I occupy among Asian Americans, among queer folks, queer, queer cis men in particular, uh, as well as immigrants. And even within those communities, right, uh, those sort of subsets of people, again, the narratives are all very different. Like my immigrant experience is very different from the immigrant experience of my friend Kritika, for example. But we also have our own similarities as well. So it is a tough tension, that push and pull of, okay, I'm, when I'm writing, I'm going to focus on me here. And in what way am I able to div- push the conversation forward by talking about broader uh, trends and waves within this uh, group of people? And by talking about, you know, for example, trends in immigration patterns, for example, how can I develop and make that conversation more nuanced by bringing in my personal experience? So, Matt, aside from your book, clearly, uh, what are some anti-racist books that you'd want to suggest that our listeners check out? I highly recommend that folks read How to Be Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi. It's right there in the title. Um, And I think one of the books, too, that really helped me in particular understand what a memoir that straddles lines of race, sexuality, and class could look like is Darnell Moore's No Ashes in the Fire. Yeah, Darnell and Ibram, I think, are fantastic reads, especially right now. Awesome. Well, Matt's new book, The Groom Will Keep His Name, is available now. Matt, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Casey. Thank you, Hayes. I really appreciate it. Hayes, I saw something on Twitter that just really brought a smile to my face. As part of the George Floyd protest down in Houston, a few dozen black men on horses showed up to march, and it was one of the best things I've seen in days. Um, according to NBC News, they're members of an urban trail riding club, the nonstop riders, and the people of Houston were just as stoked as I was to see them clip-clopping down the street with their fists raised. I saw that too, Casey, and it made me so happy. I saw a couple of different videos, and I saw one this morning that I was immediately inspired to paraphrase Lil Nas X's classic, Old Town Road, on Twitter. And I, I gotta say, I Lin-Manuel Miranda said that he and his son liked it. I don't know if he's telling the truth because Sebastian is so young, but I will take it. Dang it, I will take it. Oh my God, wait, Hayes, you have to sing it. I am not going to sing it, no, Casey. No, Hayes, Hayes, sing it for uh, me, uh, please. Uh, okay, fine. Um, audio engineer Dan, can you please drop me a protected under parody law beat? I got the horses and I'm black. Police don't attack, my life matters, that's a fact Y'all don't feel me, it's a wrap Riding down in Houston, praying they don't shoot us Calling us all looters, y'all know that's not true, son That's that's my performance, (laughs) It was worth it, I loved literally every second of that
<laughs> That's it for today. Join us tomorrow for a conversation with New York Times columnist and writer Jamel Bowie about how Trump's response to the George Floyd protests doesn't exactly make him Nixon in 1968. And remember, if even YouTube's Logan Paul can understand structural racism, so can the people in your life. It is not enough to be not racist. You have to be anti-racist. Yes. Condemn those who feign superiority because of the color of their skin. Be sure to subscribe to News O'Clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to set your alarm so you never miss an episode of News O'Clock. Hey, Randy, what you doing? Oh, hey, Dave. I'm just making a list of things that make me feel really, really good. Wearing Bombas socks. Trust me, that's number one on my list. Bombas socks feel so good because we use the smartest design and best materials, making them the most comfortable socks ever. Plus, because socks are the number one most requested clothing item in homeless shelters, we donate a pair for every pair purchased, and that feels pretty good, too. To shop Bombas or learn more about how your purchase supports those experiencing homelessness, go to bombas.com comfy and get 20% off your first purchase. What grows in the forest? Our imagination and our family bonds. The forest is closer than you think. Find a forest near you at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. This season, get football on your terms with NFL Game Pass. Let's go! See every snap from every game with full game replays. What a throw, what a catch! Listen to all the action as it happens with live game audio. Watch the dog, G. Leaping grab Devontae Adams. Plus, watch your team on your time with condensed game replays. Get football on your terms with NFL Game Pass. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today.